0: Uh, Houston, we're back again, and you would have seen or heard, rather, that uh, we still haven't got our jingle, so we haven't hit our 200 listeners. But um, the
1: good news for the podcast, we have managed to pick up some players on the back of the podcast. Yep, fantastic news. We certainly didn't didn't start this out as a recruitment drive. However, clearly, people like what we bring to the club. Um, So, yep, if any prospective players are out there, um, please get in contact. I'm not sure why too many prospective players would be listening to this podcast, but there you go. Well, Sheeds did uh,
0: suggest it was right up the top of the charts on uh, Spotify. I suggest the number of listeners perhaps doesn't support that. But, yeah, pretty uh, pretty keen to meet the – I think we've got four or so country boys that are um, studying at Monash Uni that are going to come and play with us. So looking forward
1: looking forward to meeting them. Uh, how are you going? Very lockdown, much so. Mate? Grand final leave. Yeah. Grand final leave, um, certainly a bit of a different time to what I'd normally be doing grand final Eve, but uh, not too bad. Restrictions starting to come to an end, which is good. So it'll be great to, um, to catch up with everyone as a group again, uh, as soon as possible. Who's your tip for the footy? Reckon Richmond, but I'm fifty-five 55-45. Yeah. I reckon it's gonna be a, a cracking game. Hopefully the rain holds off. So it's um it's not too much of a sludge fest, but I think Richmond just. How about yourself? Yeah, me too. I think
0: the Tigers will be too strong and have the cats number. I'm hoping for Kyle McClure that the cats get a win. But um
1: Yes, Kyle, good day Tigers... if you're listening. And do you, you wanna talk us through who we're gonna have a chat to today? Yep, yeah, so we've got a couple of people today. The first person, um, his name is Simon Ferros. He's a sports science consultant to Cricket Victoria, as well as the director of BowlStrong, which is a, a fast bowling academy type thing. So he's incredibly, I guess, experienced at that type of thing, um, bowler's actions and what, I guess, makes good bowlers good. So it'll be great to hear, to hear what he has to say and hopefully pick up some tips for him for the upcoming season. Uh Yep,
0: and then we're also going to be joined by uh, David Hegarty, who was the inaugural HUE uh, RU. And we had a few, we had a few questions on the back of HUE RU. didn't. Some of our listeners, you didn't quite understand what that was, and I'm sort of surprised by that because it's reasonably obvious. I, I
1: didn't. I didn't <laughs> think it was that complicated. However, um, I guess I can provide a bit of a brief explanation of the purpose for it. It's essentially a guessing game to. I guess, find out a mystery player. So, we've obviously got a number of questions about a specific person connected to the club. Um, there could be a player in Heggs's uh, case, a past player and committee member. Um, and basically, it's just up to whoever we have on at the time to guess who that person is. And if they do, in fact, guess who it is correctly, that person then is obliged contractually to come onto the show next week.
0: And it's called, obviously, it's called Hugh, are you? Because you are. Hugh. I am. I am Hugh. <laughs> yes. So. so. that that is the the essence of it for those. That Not are sure
1: how was Ganesha one of the people confused. that struggled to
0: understand that. <laughs> no, no, he wasn't. Perhaps we won't name them. That's uh, that's probably the safest um, bet in all that. But um, and we're going to use I think Hugh. We're going to use who are you to try and um, up the ante on our listeners. We're going to go a little bit um, probably one of the more uh, famous people connected with the Mount Waverly Cricket Club we're going to use him as the example today and see if Heggs can guess him and hopefully correctly then we can get uh this particular individual on the show and and hopefully that'll kick us over that 200 uh unique listener mark so we can we can go on to bigger and better things but should we kick it off should we have a chat with Tom? absolutely <laughs> So we're now joined by uh, Simon Ferros, who's the uh, director of Ballstrong. Simon, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Peter. Thanks, Hugh. And Simon, I, uh, truth be told, did a little bit of a stalk on your uh, LinkedIn profile uh, earlier. And it says, you have a PhD yep. in cricket. Is that right?
2: I sure do. Yeah, I'm one of the few. Um don't call me Dr. Cricket, that's, uh, you know, I'm taking away from Mr. Cricket then, aren't I? But uh, yeah, there's a few of us around the world that have the PhD in, in cricket, um, which entails a very long period of study at university. And yes, it can be done. Um, a lot of people think PhDs can be should be done in health or cancer, but no, I chose fast bowling. Um, so, a genuine student of the game as opposed to all of us pretend students of the game. <laughs> nice, nice. I actually haven't heard that one before. <laughs> um, yeah, no, as a keen student of the game. Um, yeah, so I, I looked at um, the, the technical and physical uh, qualities that underpin fast bowlers um, and looked at how do we go about training those and, and how can we increase ball speed. Um, what type of
1: cricketer were you when you did play?
2: Um, I was a wannabe fast bowler. I was fortunate enough to play uh, regional cricket. Um, I got so- selected to under-16 Downing Shield um, for Western Waves region. And um, again, fortunate enough to play under-18s follow- following that for a couple of years. And then under-21s, um, Coca-Cola Cup. Um, so a great experience there. And then um, talk us through bowl
0: Simon, so what that yeah. entails, what you do, how you work with what sort of athletes, those sort of things.
2: Yep. Uh, Bowl Strong started in 2011, I think, or 2012. Uh, I was, I was, that started second year of my doctorate because I was uh, learning so much about the game and I thought oh, I'd like to share that with um, all, all the other fast bowlers or wannabe fast bowlers out there. Um So Bolstrong's mission is all designed around wanting to improve um, how fast Bowler prepares um, for, for competition. Um, So that entails looking at four pillars of development, such as um, the technical, tactical, physical, and mental side of things. So, um, you know, given my qualifications, specialised mainly in the physical side of things and the technical side, um, I concentrate on those two areas the most, but given that, I also studied sports psychology through university. I can touch a little bit on the, the mental performance side of things. And, of course, the tactical side of things comes from playing uh, a lot of cricket. And what
0: sort of things, if you were doing sort of like one-to-one or one-to-a-handful of bowling, a bowlers rather, and coaching them, what sort of things are you paying attention to and for sort of some of our junior and senior bowling group that have been listening to this, what are the things they should be mindful of? You hear, you always hear when you're like really young about how important it is like front arm, all those sort of things, but surely there's a few more technical things that you'd be looking at.
2: Yep. Um, it, first of all, I have to, a bit of a disclaimer, it does depend on the stage of the season that we're at, depending <laughs> on what we focus on. Um, so what I mean by that is off season, we tend to go to town a little bit more on the technique um, because we've got time to, to work on one or two things at most. Um, And in season, it's more fine tuning. It's more about tactics, um, maintenance of physical qualities um, and all about the headspace and that. But going back to the technique side of things, yes, front arm is a really important one, but um, there are four key technical parameters, if you want to call them or variables, that um, that explain about 75% of how quick you can bowl uh, the first one being how, how fast you can run up. Um, secondly, how straight your front leg is um, at the point where you release the ball. So having a, a leg that's straight is really, really important. Um, it helps get you tall. That's why it's really useful. Why the run-up's important is because it allows you to build momentum um, and energy towards your target. Um, and that that run-up, is that speed is then... Um, use that energy from that is used when you land at the crease with a straight front leg. It's like putting a, um, uh, what's called a high performance braking system where it causes you a bit of a whiplash effect where your trunk will just then pivot forward. Um, And that's the third variable. So how much your upper trunk can move forward, Um, not to the side, but forward. Um, There's that. And by doing that, you, you create a large whip on your, on your bowling arm. And so the fourth variable is, is what we call a delayed bowling arm. And what we really mean by that is that you're allowing all your other body parts to do their job first before that arm comes over. A lot of slow bowlers want to rush their arm over first without moving their hips and their trunk properly um, or squaring up, if you want to call it that. Um, so they're the four key things, the run-up being one of the most important, though. Um, and that was just that was shown throughout the research um, done on English cricketers, fast bowlers, um, the elite. So that's really interesting. There's some other qualities that are important, um, such as um, how quickly you can decelerate yourself when you land at the crease, but obviously that's influenced by how straight your leg is. Um, Simon, basically what you said there, when
0: you think about all the, all the fast bowlers, like on an international level, they've all got different techniques. They all do different things. Tate versus Malinga versus Jimmy Anderson versus Mitch Johnson. But what, the, what they do get right is those four things you described.
2: So the four things are, yeah, like I said, the non-negotiables, but every bowler might not tick all the four. Um, they just might have, if you think about it, on a percentage scale for each variable, so you might have a bowler who really nails the run-up and we know that's one key. And then we might have, you know, like we got um, Tate who bent his front leg. Uh, there was Akhtar who also did the same thing. Um, th- those two guys bowled 160 um, yet didn't nail the front leg but had good run-up speed. Um, and a really good delayed arm because they got huge sling. Um, so they they nailed a couple of the other areas really, really well. So it's about a bit of a, you think about a bit of a combo. If you could get all of them perfect, then I'd hate to think what you could probably achieve. Maybe maybe consistently in the 150s, um, maybe you have someone who gets the fastest ever ball speed, which is over 161 or 162, um, which would be exciting. Um, and Jeff Thompson was reported to bowl much quicker than that he, before he had his major injury. And Rod Marsh had speculated he was up around 170, which is ridiculous. But whether you want to believe that or not, I, it's hard to know. But I mean, Rod Marsh having stake in his, as his inners for his, uh, for his wicket keeping gloves. I mean, you know, that saying something, um, the fact that Thompson was able to bowl two bounces that uh, half followed the side screen will tell you how quick he probably was before his shoulder injury. Um, but yeah, um Fascinating topic, um, but generally speaking, you need to be hitting a lot of those things to be able to 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 bowl quickly. Um, doesn't mean to say that if a bowler can't get the leg straight, doesn't mean they're a failure. That's that's a pretty that's pretty poor terminology. Um, it's a pretty poor way to think. But if I can get a bowler who, who can go from having the leg fairly bent, say let's think ninety degrees for example, which is terrible, um, to say one hundred and ten degrees, which is twenty degrees straighter. Um, then I say to them, hey, that's a win, and we're going to take that into the season. So you might not have got it fully straight, which is 180 degrees, um, but hey, we'll take 20 degrees improvement. And if you think about a roadmap, you know, what's it going to look like in five years' time? Um, then, you know, then we obviously got something to work towards there with improving, it, pr- improving that front knee angle and maybe other areas as well. Because certainly once you get the legs straight, then a lot of the other stuff seems to happen um, in terms of yep. getting the trunk to whip forward rather than fall out to the side, which is a problem with back injuries and, and so on. So, yeah, the challenge for me as a coach is um, where do you start? Um, what do you do first? Um, and that's, that's like I said before, that's um, dependent upon where you are in the season. Um, but if I'm in the off-season and I've screened a bowler, i um, by taking lots of video footage and have a look through their action, and I see those issues with the legs, um, then I will go to work on the legs first. That is, look at what the back foot's doing, what the front foot's doing. And um, I call that the foundations at the crease. I I don't look at the run-up. I don't address the run-ups first and foremost. I address what's happening at the crease first. There's a really important reason for that um it's because if if someone is collapsing a lot at the crease it's usually because they don't have the strength or stability or they're running in way too fast for their body that they can handle at the crease um so i teach them how to have land land with great mechanics at, at the crease first and then we work back from that um into the run-up and we we'll just come back from a few steps and then we'll eventually go to the full run-up and see how they go we've been able to hold that that frame or that shape um at the, at the crease and if they fall away then that um, we know it's probably due to the run-up and too much energy being produced so I've seen bowlers I've coached bowlers who've you who might bowl 110 from a full runner um and then I but you know fall away in in their action at the delivery strike and uh, the knee bends a lot the trunk falls to the side a lot for example um and then I work on those things at the crease and I get them to come in off a few steps and they're still bowling 110 they're not they not even near the speed they were from the run. And they're like, I'm just saving so much more energy. And the answer to that is, is um, that you're just making the body work for you rather than fighting it. And I see a lot of balls running in so hard and then just throwing it all the way at the crease and wondering why they've got back injuries and so on. So There's so much unnecessary stress through the body. And asking their poor body who's that's not strong enough to try and deal with those large ground impact forces, um, you know, so – you know, let's. I'll quickly bring up an example of Brett Lee, who was an inspiration, and in terms of how strong he was at the crease. Um, I was fortunate to to um, get some unpublished unpublished data on Brett Lee um, from his former fitness coach, Jock Campbell, uh, who said that at the RAS, Brett Lee was running in at about 27 kilometers per hour, which is, I mean, most of us might even make that from a sprint, um, mm. but his run up was at 27 k's and. That was his peak speed, but he landed at the crease with 15 times his body weight. Now, you know, Brett Lee being about 90 kilos. You think about that's about 1600 kilos of force coming through your body, every ball and um, doing that with a, not only did he have a straight front leg, but he had a hyper extended leg. So it's, that's so dangerous. Um, But it was one of the reasons why he bowled so quick. He was just able to tolerate all those, all those stresses going through his body. So, you know, Brett Lee was squatting heavy, you know, in the gym, he was up around 140, 160 mark squatting. Um, build himself a decent frame, if that makes sense, to be able to deal with. But
1: What are a few real key things that you think young fast bowlers or, or fast bowlers at our level could focus on in the gym to help them for the physical side of things uh, to get, a, you know, a bit of extra pace or stability through their body?
2: Great question. Um, look, most of the, you know, Kids and so on that uh, that I work with, senior players at a club, they might not be all that proficient in the gym. That means what I mean by that is they don't have what we call movement competency or physical literacy. Um, same sort of thing, um, such as they don't know how to squat, um, they don't know how to deadlift, bench press, pull up, all that sort of stuff. They haven't, they might not have done it before, and they're a bit resistance resistant to resistance training, if that makes sense. Um, because they're worried about what's going to do to them um, and so on. Is it going to help uh, make them get an injury or is it going to make me slow or bulky and all this sort of stuff. There's a lot of misnomers out there, but anyway, the first thing I recommend is, is um, going through body weight type programs just to build the correct technique first and foremost. And that doesn't, you don't need to go to the gym to do that. So um, learning how to lunge, squat, deadlift, um, push up properly, you know, um, and also do a lot of core training. Um, all that can be done, body weight with some soft resistance, we call it, such as like medicine balls, kettlebells, uh, and so on, bands. Perfect stuff to be doing in the club as a, as a unit. Um, you can do circuits, you know, all that sort of stuff. But mainly focus on technique first, um, because as soon as you jump out, as how quickly someone can do, knock out a certain amount of reps, and that technique goes out the window. Yeah. And that that can happen in circuit training. Um, and I, I just want to stress it. Although circuit training might be a good blowout, um it lends itself more to crossfit type methods where you've got some people really just trying
1: to beat the clock. Definitely, that's some um absolutely amazing stuff there and some really good things, I guess for people at the club, um particularly the younger guys, but also you know the older guys like me and Pete to um or very old in Pete's case to um to fit stiff there, to um to to look at, I guess and focus coming into the season. So thanks so much. Um,
0: Thanks, Simon. And two two last ones from me. With The club's agreed. Um, Simon's going to do uh, a couple of talks or work with us um, in the next week or so with our broader fast bowling group. So we'll um, send some details on that. Both the junior and the senior groups can join that. It's going to be sort of digitally led online via Zoom. Simon taking us through a couple of techniques. And secondly, Hugh, I uh, take offence to that old comment. I'm <laughs> not even close to old. So looking forward to improving, our, improving if you reckon- speed. 20 percent oh, with
2: Simon. If you reckon you guys are old, then I must be ancient. I mean, heck, seriously, you're young, you're young chooks. Uh thank
0: you for that, Simon. That's been that's been awesome. Really, really interesting too.
2: Like, yeah, yeah, the whole, yeah, um, yeah, that's fascinating, fascinating area, guys. Um, and I re- I still research in that space. So I research at Cricket Australia and Cricket Victoria in still improving fast bowling performance and. Um, it's a wonderful area, and I've I've used weighted implements as another thing recently. Um, a few years ago, I trialed that in a warm up setting, to see if you can get a, a temporary sort of boost in your in, in the velocity of your arm to try and improve speed. Um, what we found was guys warming up with a heavy ball, such as a, a, what was 190 grams or something it was. Um, they warmed it up, warmed up with that, and we went back to a normal ball to do a bowling test for four overs, for example, and they felt like their arm was fast like really fast, fast but yeah. the, there was yeah, no yeah. change in ball speed so there was this like this, this illusion effect but it could be good for the yeah. ego so if they're yeah. feeling like it's coming out really quick um then yeah. and there's no detriment to accuracy which we found um then it could be a really good thing Is like shit i'm i'm bowling quick so you know it builds your confidence up so uh, i think there's merit to that sort of stuff um it's been used in baseball really well with um, the heavy bats yes two bats use... or heavy bat yeah, absolutely. So I do a bit of research in that stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, but what we're currently doing with Cricket Australia is looking at the last five years of all their physical testing data on their elite players. So Stark, Cummins, et cetera. I don't know. I don't. Unfortunately, I don't have their actual um, who's, names who's on who? there. Yeah. Who's who, yeah. But we're looking at profiling um, the change in ball speed with the change in physical qualities. Um, to see how well they align with each other and and what qualities are most important. So um, there's a particular. The the,
0: the correlation between how much they're like, how much strength they've got versus what's going on with the ball type
2: thing. Correct. Absolutely. So looking at that, those contributing factors and how they change over time, bit of homework for you guys. Um, You can look up something called the FIFA 11 plus you might've already heard about it, but this is a warm up that's used in soccer that has some injury prevention stuff in it where, um, the soccer players will, will use a ball but they'll do things like lunges and all sorts of stuff too and people are like, well that's a workout, why are they doing that in a warm up no, they don't do heaps of reps, it's just the principle of repetition over time like I said earlier, 6,000 reps throughout a season, all of a sudden you go, wow that's 6,000 reps I mm-hmm. didn't have to do but all of a sudden I'm, I'm now 6,000 reps better than I was when I first started so it's about having that growth, that growth mindset um, and, and going after it, but in small bouts not just trying to do everything tomorrow uh, part of my work I do with bowlers, I sit down and plan out a, a schedule um, for them that's realistic, that that's, suits their work-life balance, everything. Um, all right, how can we squeeze in fitness, bowling technique, yada yada. But before we even do that, we look what five years looks like ahead. So see yourself in five years' time. What do you, how do you see yourself from your frame, your physical fitness point of view? What, what do you want to look like? Uh, From that side of things, what skill sets do you want to have as a bowler? And is it three slow balls now that you can bank on instead of one? Is it it the ability to be able to seam the ball off the wicket? Um, I was a one-trick pony. I had pace and I had an outswing. Um, And I soon found out that was okay for junior cricket as a bully. Um, But I got to club cricket and I was shocked (laughs) when guys could hit my speed pretty comfortably. And so I was like, what else do I have? Uh, All right, well, I don't really have an inswinger. And that was a problem. I didn't have an armory. And um, so anyway, we, we think about what does it look like in five years' time and then we reverse engineer that. We honestly, I'm I was the worst. I my self-talk was terrible as as a player and still is at times. If you don't work on your brain, unfortunately, you know, 80% of your self-talk is probably negative.
0: Yeah, like I know for for me, bowling there was there was times where you were like you'd lead the you'd lead the bowling group or whatever, but you'd have so much self-doubt in your own performance. You put pressure on yourself and that has a detrimental impact. You don't, you almost, you know, you should be the bowler that wants the ball in their hand, taking the wickets, but you don't really quite feel like that.
2: Mm. No? That's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. I, I, I can see where you're coming from. And, um, and I asked this really, really interesting question. What is pressure? You know, what is pressure is, is, you could sit there and think about pressure for half an hour, but pressure is, is, you just hit the nail on the head. A lot of it's in here. Yeah. So you, perceived. Yeah. Perceived pressure, scoreboard pressure. Why do we let scoreboard yeah. pressure get to us? It's just a score. You know, we come to grand final day and I've had the privilege of playing a few. And um, the first thing coach says, same ball, same bat, same stumps, nothing's changed. Yeah. Deep down, we know it's changed. It's a grand hmm. final. And how do you deal with that is, is a really interesting one. Yeah. Again, you've got to have uh, – there's a bit of fake it till you make it. There's a bit of Woody Allen yeah. in that. Um, you have to sort of – even if you're feeling a little bit low, here, you've got to put on a persona that, um, that is tough and oh, – I say tough. That's probably not the right word. Um, confident. Conf- yeah. Confident is probably yeah. the better word. Yeah. And um, all of a sudden, you start buying into that um, persona after a period of time. You're like, oh, this is actually, this is actually good. Let's, let's, let's ride with this. And it it just goes to show that a great quote by Mark Twain is that you know the way you feel is the way you think, is the way you act. Sorry, the way you think is the way you feel is the way you act, um, which makes a lot of sense. If you if you're feeling like crap, then all of a sudden you start attracting all the crap things. Hey, Del, I want a kiwi. You want a kiwi fruit? All right, well I'll I'll, I'll cut that up for you in a sec. <laughs> um, <laughs> This happens when I'm teaching too, as a lecturer. Yeah. Um, it's, it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> um, had some funny ones throughout the year, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, guys, um, there's there's some amazing stuff in there. And um, I think, um, I'm, I mean, I'm looking forward to doing these workshops. It's only gonna scratch the surface in a couple of areas, but enough to just get started. It's not dumping the whole lot on the group. Yeah. And then they're thinking, oh, how do I implement all this? I mean, no, it has to be simple. It just has to come back to simplicity. We'll let you go and cut some kiwi fruit. Thanks.
1: <laughs> Cheers, so a, uh, Thanks very so much for yeah. your time. Really, really no appreciate it. You're welcome.
2: Anytime. Thanks, mate. See you later.
0: How's COVID treating you otherwise, mate? You going well? We've got a segue into our next guest. You haven't had a haircut yet.
1: No, I haven't had a haircut. Booked in for next week. Fade no. um, Emporium, good sponsors of the club. so Yes, true. Whereabouts are they? Uh, is it Blackburn Road, Sindal Shops? Yeah, right. Okay, not yeah, too far I from think...
0: Station.
1: Yeah, that's right. So right, cool. anyone who is in need of a hair trim, give them a call. Fade yeah. Emporium,
0: I saw, um, saw one of our former presidents tweeted this morning, uh, Anthony Campbell or Minty uh, he was he was looking to get a haircut this morning and thought he was on to onto a winner so he would arrived early before the shop's open and said he was sort of 15th in line so bad luck Anthony um yeah the haircut still listening today the haircut not being a problem for our next guest uh David Hegarty very good <laughs> afternoon good you, how are we doing
3: how's things you up, actually,
0: cap on. David you're the you're the club treasurer are you still a current player do you consider yourself a current player or
3: are you captain in the Sunday ones this year? Uh, there's
0: no there's going to be no such thing as the Sunday ones. Don't think so no. Four teams, four senior teams. Uh, is there any chance of seeing you this this year?
1: Well, if if required, I've never I've never said no. So what type of cricketer were you like, Eggs? I never really got the pleasure of playing with you unfortunately.
3: How would you describe me, Pete? I um
1: I, I batted not the other the fine leg. I
3: can
0: describe <laughs> you really well actually, Heggs. I remember <laughs> I will never forget our first interaction. I was in year 12, had taken – I think I missed a game for exams and then missed another game for schoolies. Now, and well,
3: it this, must was, have this been, was season 2009, 2010. Yeah, it must I, have been
0: when you came back from I first the first from overseas, no preseason, season yeah. turned up a couple straight of rounds in, in yeah. Straight into the twos, mind you. Uh, um, not correct.
3: Not correct. No? The funny one, actually, because – I, I rocked up and I didn't know many people and I um, I threw a tantrum at training when Salia didn't acknowledge my greatness. Um, uh, and then, because Darren McNeil was still Chairman of Selectors, so I thought, well, I've known him for quite a while. He gave me my, first 11, my second 11 debut, so he knows who I am and what I'm about. Um, and he, he'll acknowledge me and send me straight back up to the twos. And yeah, first of all, played in the fourth 11. I think I played... First and second eleven might have had a two day game, and so I had to play two fourth eleven games. Um, And and then you got the twos. It was quite funny because in that second eleven game, that two day game, that was the one where Houghton was captain, and I think they either played Brunswick or Coburg or someone like that, and they didn't defend two hundred and sixty. Then, so the following week after, I've had my two fourth eleven games. um, I was bowling to Houghton in the nets. And he was, yeah, you know, yeah he's very positive and very encouraging and all that. And so I'm bowling to him and he throws me the ball back and he gives me that really encouraging, give me a reason to pick you this week, Heggs. Bear in mind, I did have a bit of a chip on my shoulder and I was a bit angry at the world. I just put my, my, my hands on the hips and said, you can't defend 250, mate. I'm picking myself. <laughs> Not a word of a lie.
0: The So my... my my recollection of that was you played fours you came back into the twos meanwhile yeah, skip I, the
3: third skip the I third. had
0: I had exams and went to schoolies then we came together for a game out at Mount and I was like who is who yeah, is this little grumpy man f- Came came onto bowl and in your first over dropped one short I was fielding a point uh, so slapped a big cut shot and I went to field it and perhaps didn't. Uh, quite get the knee down and field it. And it cost you a couple of uh, Don't cost runs. Of runs
3: mate. Yeah,
0: it cost you a couple of runs and you threw probably a similar tantrum to the one you just described earlier. Any, any wonder I was grumpy. <laughs> yeah. And who, who would have thought we'd still be friends after
3: that? Well, Are we friends? or pod, oh, podcast acquaintance. Yeah, podcast <laughs> co- colleagues, maybe. Was that was that game, Um, that game might have been, the game you're referring to might have been against, um Endeavour Hills it might have been a, I think if it's not one it's similar in time and it was a two-day game at Mount Saturday Sunday and we rolled them on the we bowled on the Saturday got through them and then George Clonus and Travis Kennedy opened the batting and saw us through to stumps and Houghton had me padded up to go in next if we lost a wicket and so then we rock up on day two, which I think was eventually washed out anyway. And he told me that I'd now been demoted down the order in favour of Sean, what was that? Um, Sean um, Pereira. Very Sean good player. Pereira. Yeah, who, yeah, a very good player. But then the penny dropped for me that I wasn't going into bat number three the previous night. I was, Do you think <laughs> my toys didn't go out of the pram when the penny dropped that Houghton was yeah, going to stick me in as a, as a night watchman, not as his number three batsman? Yeah, he, he, caught, he caught my wrath that year, the poor bloke.
0: First year back. So you, you played at the club, disappeared, came back.
3: I didn't disappear. I went and plied my trade overseas. <laughs> the home Premier League and the Middlesex Premier League. I didn't How- disappear. My, to my whereabouts it? were known. Hugh, during
0: you reckon it's time for everyone's favourite segment? I certainly do.
1: So, Heggs,
3: not what sure is if you... everyone's favourite segment?
1: Well, I'm not sure if you actually listened to last week's edition or last edition of the podcast, but we do have a, a little uh, segment called Hugh, Are You? Oh, that's last how week, I got
3: roped in to come yeah, on today. Tim, Tim cool.
1: Boyce was uh, intelligent that's enough correct. to pick, it up, pick up that okay. it was you. Um, so I'll start with... What's our segment called again? It's Hugh, Are You? Hugh, Are You? So that's a play because, on your... Christian because he's Hugh, get it? It is Jesus not
0: well. not everyone. Not everyone. A couple of people that.
1: actually struggled to understand that from last week's episode, so we have explained it um, a bit earlier. No, so I'm born on the twenty fourth of the tenth, nineteen ninety six, which actually happens to be tomorrow. So happy birthday to
3: whoever this, this is, who will be twenty four tomorrow. Okay.
1: I debuted versus Bayswater in round one, two thousand and fifteen.
3: 2000. So after I stopped playing for Mount Waverly, so I've got no chance here.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm actually a similar cricketer to you in that I uh, are... Very good one. The left arm slow bowler and lower order batsman.
3: Hang on, hang on. How similar? Lower order batsman. Behave yourself, you. Well, I'm not going to say night
1: watchman, am I?
3: <laughs> <laughs> similar... You wouldn't dare.
1: No, of course not. Similar, similar hairline to you as well. Okay. Okay. Good guesses, we'll, David.
3: We'll take that up offline. 24-year-old um, 24,
0: 24 spinner. From Mount Waverley. Played with Mount Waverley.
1: Debuted in 2015.
3: 2015. Oh, it's not that English chap, is it?
1: Next question, Hugh. Um, I love a celebration.
3: Yeah, it's that English chap that won us the flag, isn't it? What's his name again? What You, you know the bloke I'm talking yep. about. The, Callum he's got the Parkinson. twin brother who bowls the leg spin and he bowls the... Um, the left arm. Yeah, yes. we got Bernie we got yes, Harris, uh, Leon Harris,
1: Matt, didn't we? Matt yeah. Parkinson's um, brother.
3: Yeah, that one. Um, one is the flag.
1: Yep, Good Callum white. Parkinson.
3: Yep.
1: Callum. So, Does that count? Did you get that? I think, so. well, yeah, he got everything except the name. So, yeah, well,
0: it's on it it the to you, you, yep.
3: you, can,
1: you can Google it and find his name.
0: Let's let's give it to him, actually, because we were going to use him as a more high profile guest to see if we could pump
1: up our listeners' for That's next a week. matter of opinion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but um, no, it is Callum Parkinson, and hopefully, we are able to get him onto the show. On the next edition, um, obviously having a lot of success currently playing for Leicestershire in the county cricket competition over in England.
0: David, last question, mate. Interested in your favourite Mount Waverley memories, whether they be uh, at Mount Waverley Reserve or maybe on Swan Street
3: after a victory? <laughs> <laughs> My favourite Mount Waverley memories. How long have you got? There's the the privilege of uh, playing along the uh, alongside the likes of Uh, the John Becketts of this world, the Simon Giulianos of this world, Dean Taylor, Mick Bora, Darren McNeil, all the the, the famous Mount Waverley. Are you you going to message all those people and tell them to have a listen to this after? (laughs) Something like that. (laughs) I I promised a few of them I'd get them in. I think I've ticked three or four off just like that. But I, um, but I guess in all seriousness, there was a... Um, A fourth 11 premiership I played in as a kid, uh, which was Mount Waverley's first turf premiership in quite a while at the time. Uh, It was probably around the time your your man Parkinson was uh, being born, actually, funnily enough. Wow. Then uh, moving up the grades, uh, getting my first 11 debut under uh, Darren McNeil's captaincy and making 50 on second 11 to boo at Caulfield, knocking off Caulfield, who were the reigning premiers who'd beaten Mount Waverley in that grand final the year before um, in what was uh, Gary McClub, club legend Gary McGrory's 300th match. That was a pretty special memory that day. Um, and then not long after, making my first 11 debut under the colourful captaincy, shall we say, of another club legend in Warren Jeffries. Yeah, and that's all I've got, I think.
1: Some pretty pretty good memories there. Some Very rich
3: much. rich memories. <laughs> Something like that. But it. Uh, oh, hang on. But they gave me one of those. Um, they gave me one of those a uh, life memberships uh, yeah. a year or two ago. That's that's um, that meant a meant a hell of a lot at the time. Um, and it just slipped my mind when I was trying to recall those memories.
0: Yes, yeah, so I know personally how hard you worked for that life membership <laughs> and how much you well, wanted it. So.
3: Part, part of me wonders whether it was just a, a little. Um, a little bribery slash blackmail slash guilt to ensure that I continued in the treasurer's role because, you know, there's hardly anyone knocking down the door uh, looking to take that responsibility on.
0: It's a very important responsibility and you do a very good job of is. it. so <laughs> now,
3: now You now certainly do. You just, now you're just kissing my backside to, to ensure that <laughs> yes. I keep going for another year or two in the role. Maybe. <laughs> good tactic.
0: It's working. I was just going to say, David, we've got one more uh, segment, which is quick singles.
3: Quick so singles. Gonna, Go on. So that's, gonna... that's not a play on um, uh, anyone's name. It's not It's not a play on your marital status or anything, is it, Pete? Not, no,
0: no, not. What we're going to do is we're going to fire off some uh, very brief questions at you and get okay. your kind of instant response. These are on the fly too. We haven't
3: pre-prepared
0: what uh, questions I
3: wish we were going to ask I, you. I, I'm, I'm a lot... I'm a lot more entertaining with preparation.
0: Well, we'll see how we go, and if it's no
3: good, we can cut it out. Always got you? the option. All right,
1: funniest ever teammate.
3: Oh jeez, where do I begin? Um, uh, Quick
1: singles. <laughs> well,
3: it's hard to go past Darren Singleton um, for a, for any number of reasons, but one memory that sticks in that sticks in the mind is that back in the day. If you were, yeah, there was an agreed meet time at away games. Um, and if you were one minute late, um, you had to buy a dozen beers, i.e. buy, buy a beer for everyone after the match. Uh, and so it got to the stage where Darren Singleton came to the cricket armed with a dozen beers because uh, he knew he was going to be late. So he thought, why, why buy them for, you know, two fifty dollars each over the opposition bar when he can just pull them out of his own slab, out of his own fridge and bring them along with him
1: they punishment, actually. I reckon there'd be a lot of beers bought current days that was the case. <laughs> Meat times a... are just a,
3: a rough estimate these days, are they? Pretty much, yeah.
0: <laughs> Next question, David. What what was it like to have a social media account created in your honour?
3: <laughs> um... you, you're referring to this team heggity nonsense, are you? <laughs> well, I still... I still in, in all, well, it was very flattering because I guess... Um, what, what's the old saying? Go something like imitation is the most... Uh, Uh, yeah yeah, i know the one whatever (laughs) it is yeah you know what i mean yeah it was it was quite flattering on the one hand but it um it it was a bit of a burden at the same time and that i had i felt like i had a an attitude to live up to which which wasn't necessarily always all that positive and harmonious shall we say
1: all right so Next question on the Twitter, still on the uh, the Twitter context. Favourite Mount Waverley person on Twitter, except yourself.
3: Apart from myself, so I can't say Jeez. Um, um, well, there are, is it fair to say there aren't too many Mount Waverley Twitter tweeters? Um, as I, yes, I, I was listening last week when Tim Boyce um, identified myself, so... I might have to throw it back on Tim, boys, because he, he he's pretty useful. Return yeah, the photo.
1: consistent.
3: Yeah, yeah. Let's go with Tim. Any
0: thoughts, David, on the U.S. presidential debate this morning?
3: Um, I, <laughs> I heard I heard it was a bit of a disaster. I didn't watch it. I have, um, uh, I do have uh, two young children, so. Um, I am a very busy man at the moment. I couldn't find the time to uh, tune into that. But um, uh, it's just... I think it's just a sad state of affairs when those are the two best bozos on offer.
0: It's been fantastic having you. That's been brilliant. And in the time while we've been talking, I've quickly dug up. It was
3: the ninth...
0: It was the... The 21st and the 22nd of November, 2009. So it was Saturday, Sunday.
3: Saturday, Sunday.
0: We played Endeavour Hills at home.
3: Endeavour Hills at home, just like I said.
0: We bowled first. You and I did absolutely nothing. We bowled five overs between us and went for 18. And then day uh, two. Did the real seamers get all the wickets, Pete? Day two. Maybe. No, your man Singleton took four. But day two, we were zero for 73 and rain stopped play.
3: That is it. That is it. They geez, did was it was it Clonus and Kennedy put on seventy-three?
0: Uh yes. Clonus not out twenty-eight, Kennedy not out twenty-two, which meant extras was twenty-three.
3: I mean the two, that must have taken them about we must have rolled them in twenty overs, because to put on seventy-three days, 10 days. It must have taken them fifty overs at least.
0: We rolled them in fifty one overs and were denied the six points by weather.
3: By weather, no doubt. Thanks for chatting. Well, thanks for having me, fellas. It's been an absolute pleasure to uh, be a part of the Mount Waverley Cricket Club podcast with thanks to strategic property partners. See Tim Boyce down there. They'll look after you for all your strategic property matters.
1: Great to hear from our two guests. Thanks very much, everyone, for listening. Um, We do really appreciate it. Hopefully this week, Pete, we can hit the magical 200 number. And... uh, hopefully over the next couple of weeks we will be catching up together um hopefully groups of 10 training which will be a bit better than the one-on-one sessions we've all been having uh but thanks for listening have a great weekend